Tonight on uh, Astro Zero Twitter Space, we have our very special guest, Emily Lazar. Um, Emily's a writer, NFT creator, model, multimedia artist, uh, hard rock and metal front woman for the band September Morning. I don't know if I missed anything. Um, if I did, <laughs> feel, free to, uh, feel free to add it. So welcome to our spaces, Emily. How's it going tonight? It's going great. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really, really hyped to be here. And I'm so glad to see so many people in the room and, and talking about this. So can you tell us a little bit about what project you have going on and maybe a little bit about your background and uh, just dabble a little bit into the type of art that you do? Okay, so um, my name is Emily Lazar, duh, um, <laughs> and I am a transmedia artist, I like to say. Um, basically, being a transmedia artist entails telling a storyline across all different forms of media. Um, so September Morning is my project, and it is, of course, transmedia. It's based around a storyline that I wrote and published through Image Comics, a graphic novel, um, four comic books in one. And um, basically the story is about a human reaper hybrid, this um, soul swapping sort of human reaper hybrid that gives people second chances at life. So if you've ever asked that question, why do all the good people die young and, and all the bad people kind of like live forever? Um, this, is the, this is the comic book that answers that question or tries to answer that question. Um, I made the antagonist in the book uh, named Fate, and Fate is kind of like a world builder, and he's trying to take all the good souls out of the world and leave all the bad souls so the world will self-destruct. And September is trying to save these good souls, put them into other people's bodies, give them second chances at life. So she starts this epic um, war between the living and the dead. And that's, that's the basis of the story and the storyline. And that has continued on throughout comics, like I said, um, videos, live performance. We've toured from everywhere from you know, Europe to the United States and back and forth a lot. And we've toured with Rob Zombie, Slipknot, Machine Gun Kelly, like different people on different stages, different festivals and things like that. Um, Marilyn Manson. Um, so, you know, we've done our our uh, our whole like sort of live performance version of this and told the story um, that way. We've also performed at Comic Cons and anime festivals and things like that nature because of the nature of the project. Um, and now, um, since the pandemic hit, I couldn't really tour. And if you guys know about bands and how the music industry works right now, um, most of the income that you make as a band comes from touring. Um, it doesn't really come from, you know, sales of music anymore. It's basically you're selling t-shirt. You're doing a live performance to sell a t-shirt. That's like really what's going on. And, um, and so because of that, you kind of have to stay on the road for like eight, nine months out of the year, which is very taxing and, and really hard on you. But, um, when pandemic hit and there was no touring, I had no income. So I, I was like, you know, I've been in Bitcoin since about 2014, um, and I saw my crypto wallet grow and I was like, what's going on more in this world? I got into NFTs about a year and a bit ago. Um, and I ended up being the first female rock metal musician to, um, launch and sell an NFT in the space. And I just foresaw like NFTs being the, um, kind of like springboard to artistic freedom, um, especially for something like I've made because it does tell the story across all mediums it does have artwork that is affiliated it does have a character that's affiliated it does have the music that's affiliated um so i wanted to be able to use all of that together to form these nfts and get that storyline out there in a in a different sort of on a different sort of platform to a dif different sort of audience um and i've done fairly well in, in that respect and and i i feel blessed and grateful to the nft community for supporting me um doing what i do uh, that's the that's the gist of of what I do, and then the project September's Monsters is a little bit different. Um, but I don't know if you want to stop for a question. I don't know how this is going to work. So. Yeah, we could go in a little bit of detail about September's Monsters. Um, you have a pre-sale coming up for the whitelist, and uh, yeah, let's know a little bit about that project. Okay. And I, I know that you're collaborating with uh, Monster Rehab, and mm -hmm. you know, let's. Cool. Give so, us a little bit of insight about it. Yeah, of course, of course. So um, I partnered up with NFT Media Box, uh, who's unleashed a couple of projects that are pretty dope. 
Um, and one of them is the monster rehab. And I really like the storyline. I thought it was really cute. And it has these, these monsters that go into the rehab because they think something's wrong with them. You know, you have a vampire that doesn't like blood. You have a hairless werewolf. You have, you know, all these monsters that are like, something's wrong with me. And so they go into this rehab to get reformed, but they end up realizing that, you know, they're okay being who they are and how they are. And it's, really good uplifting sort of story and I, I like that a lot and I thought that um, the September character could do something really cool with that IP so we kind of combined our IPs together and created a new IP called September's Monsters wherein September's being chased by this uh, reaper named Stitch and Stitch is the master of space and time so he fragments the timeline into 6,000 timelines which gives us the idea of the generative project, right? 6,000 different Septembers. And September looks different in each timeline. But in each timeline, she wakes up in the same place, the monster rehab, and all these monsters are peering down on her, ready to, like, kill her. And she's like, what's going on? And basically, fate has stolen their souls and told them to attack her. So she has to get their souls back save the monsters, repair the timeline and get out before it's too late. So that's the, that's kind of like the very um, interesting storyline we put together combining two IPs. Um, and I thought that was, that was pretty cool to do. And within that um, drop, the 6,000 K drop, we're doing 3000 on Binance and 3000 on Ethereum. So um, it's the first ever generative cross chain drop. And so we're really proud about that tech that we're using for that. Um, and if you want to get on the whitelist, you can go up top and sign up for it. It's really easy. It takes about five seconds. Um, and we will alert you on the 18th when we mint. And then there's a public mint on the 22nd. But, um, one of the, one of the main things in this drop that I really love utility wise is the, the usage of an NFT generative drop to, um, to distribute music. Because uh, as I told you before, Bands have been slaves to um, touring for a very long time. And this is giving um, a monetary value back to music, which has kind of like decreased in monetary value over over time because of streaming and downloads and things like that. People, you know, don't really, you know, use 99 cents for a song. And if you know anything about um, making music, you know how much it costs to get in a studio. You know how much it costs to mix a song, to master a song, to pay for the studio time, to pay for the equipment, to pay for the gear, to pay for like your producer or whoever you need to come in to help you like form formulate all of this stuff. It's actually very expensive. And so, um, you know, that's why bands spend all that time on the road so they can make money, so they can make more music, um, especially if you're a band. If you're a solo artist, it can be a little bit different. You can do a lot of the stuff by yourself, but still you need the proper gear and that's very expensive. Usually, you know, if you need the proper guitars, the proper cables, the proper like onboard gear, the proper mixing situation, um, that gets very, very pricey, even if you're doing it yourself. So, um, this is a way to distribute direct to consumer. So we're using these PFPs to distribute this music in a download form. So once you get one of these, um, September's, you get a download of the new single dirty, which is coming from September morning. And then if you hold on to that, that September, that PFP, in perpetuity, you'll just get downloads of new songs. Just you'll be the first one to hear it on and on. And we don't plan on um, dropping this on Spotify or YouTube or anything like that anytime soon. So this is the way you're going to get this music. We wanted to do this and see what we could do with distribution through NFTs. See if we just did it this way how many people we could onboard, how many people we could get into this space, how many people would appreciate it. So um, if you support independent musicians, if you support um, musicians being able to make money off of their music, actually, um, please whitelist yourself, get on board. Um, it only costs 0 0.03 ETH. It's like less than 150 bucks to get this. And besides just the music download, you get a graphic novel download of my September morning graphic novel. You also get um, an entry into the metaverse that NFT Media Box has built, and they've done such an incredible job. So you're going to be able to use your avatar in the metaverse. You're going to be able to go into these haunted houses with the monster rehab. You can do these games. They did an Among Us style game, which is coming out, and it's 
dope. Um, they're doing camel races where you can jockey with September on a camel and win prizes. Like there's so much going on in the metaverse going forward that you can use this for. Um, and like I said, besides the one, one song utility, there's just going to be more and more airdrops coming to my holders. Um, a big thing that I always look at in the space is how much value can I give to my collectors and how can I um, onboard them into something bigger than uh, what we're doing at the moment. I never really think like two weeks ahead or three weeks ahead. I always think like five years ahead or 10 years ahead. Like how am I like making this IP bigger than life and bigger than it is right now? And that's that's kind of where we're standing with it. There's some, some awesome utility in the metaverse also like live performances. Um, they're building out a stage in the haunted house so that September will be able to go on stage and um, perform and in the metaverse. And I think that's going to be really cool. Um, September being me. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of uh, really cool IRL stuff that you can do with these, these NFTs. You can come to my show, present it at the merch table, get 15% off your merch. Um, I'll be airdropping depending on, uh, you know, concerts and, and how we tour and stuff next year. I'll be airdropping backstage passes, free tickets, discount tickets, things like that to people in certain areas. Um, so there's just so much that I can add as far as value is concerned to this. And I really want to do that. So I hope you guys will join up. Now going into the creative process of how you uh, started writing your graphic novel, did first of, first of all, did the process take multiple years? Because uh, things like this are quite complex and going into the artistic portion of it, you sit in a room with somebody. I, I know that you've partnered with a top style comic image, and that's a, one of the largest comic book collaboratives out there. Um, do you sit in the room and like spitball with somebody, and then they kind of just draw as your ideas are coming out to them? And how, what's the creative process behind something like writing a graphic novel? Well, for me, it came from it came from a really dark place. So I lost one of my best friends. Um, when I was in my mid twenties, um, he was 23, um, and he died and he was like my best friend. He was kind of like my lifeline, I guess I'd say, um, when it came to doing everything artistically. And when he passed, I, it just kind of set, set me back a lot. Like it, it sent me into like a tailspin. I got super depressed. Um, and I was just like, why, why did he have to you know, like, why was it his expiration date? I just didn't understand, um, like, like what was going on and why he's such a good person. So, like, why do all the good people, like I said in the beginning of this, why do all the good people die and all the bad people stay around longer? I just did not get it. And I said, I'm just going to write something about this. And I ended up, you know, I started writing songs, but then I ended up writing about this character that could, like, give people second chances at life. And I started writing about this like evil, like presence that was trying to take all these good souls. And I just developed this storyline over the course of like two, three years um, with these characters. And it was just me spitballing to myself, I guess. I mean, I just, I just came up with it. And then I approached Mark Silvestri and I was like, look, I want to do this really weird project. And he's like, he wrote me back and he was like, what do you got? You know, and Mark is a very forward thinking person. And if you know anything about Image Comics, he's one of the founders of Image. The reason why he founded Image Comics is because he was working at Marvel. A bunch of his friends were working at Marvel and DC and they were creating these characters for Marvel and DC and they had no ownership in them. They were just like drawing them, creating them. And then DC and Marvel were, were basically taking their characters. And they had no say. They had they had nothing to contribute past that. So they all kind of like got up and left and started Image, where it's creator owned. So if you bring in um, a character and a comic book and they want to publish it, you still own the IP. And that was huge in the space at that time. That was not being done. You know, you had the comic book companies that that were, you know, like I said, Marvel and DC and things like that. And they'd hire an artist and they'd just pay the artist for the work or whatever or the characters they created. And that was it. But this was a total different different way of looking at things. So when I thought about doing this whole transmedia project, I was like, I need to go to Mark with this because Mark would understand what I first of all, what I want to do across platform. 
second of all, he'd understand how important it was that I own my IP. And um, so going into it, uh, I basically pitched him that. And I pitched him the, um, the idea of this human reaper hybrid and the soul swapping and this and that, the other thing. And, and he came up with some other ideas. And then him and I started spitballing back and forth on a lot of different things. And, and he became my partner in the graphic novels and um, because he was so intrigued by it all and thought it was such a cool idea. So we work on it together and he's become such a force for me in my life. And, uh, you know, it's amazing when you lose somebody that's really close to you. Um, sometimes you just feel like this hole in your heart, but you know, if you're open to it, other people will come and, you know, fill that. And Mark kind of did that for me. So I'm very blessed he did. So your graphic novel, um, it also comes along with your NFTs that you're selling, but somebody could also just purchase it um, as well, right? They could purchase it through Amazon and a, a whole bunch of different websites. Now, is yeah. it available, it's available in what, paperback? You can get it on Kindle as well, right? Yeah, you can get it, you know, digitally. You can also get it a physical copy of it. You can also come to our show and buy a physical copy and I'll sign it for you. Um, or you can get it online at our website, um, the September morning merch website, or you can get it through Amazon or you can get it through barnesandnoble.com or target.com. It's pretty much on, on multiple platforms. Image comics has it on their site. So does top cow as well. So it's very much available all over the place. So when you guys do live performances at your shows, it's not just we're going to I, I've played in metal bands for a long time in my life. And it was just kind of like we go there, we drink our beer, we play, we leave. Um, you guys have like a huge, huge theatrical. It's almost like you're going to a Broadway play. I, I've watched a lot of your um, a lot of your videos online and it's uh, it's pretty remarkable. How long does it take for you guys just to do the prep work to to get ready for a show? Well, for, for me, it's like three hours, like I said, but, but I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you like a kind of like a breakdown of what happens in a typical day on tour. We roll in, usually load in time is around two o'clock. So everybody wakes up around 10 a.m. Um, we usually go to a Starbucks and we work on things online that we have to work on until about 1.30. We roll into the venue 1.30. We start loading in at 2. I go directly down to the dressing room um, and start unpacking my stuff because um, from start to finish, it's three hours of getting ready. But before that, I have to like unpack everything. I have to lay all the costumes out. I have to do repairs on the costumes if need be or whatever. So I, I go downstairs. Um, Rich, who's my guitarist in the band, he plays ribbon. He is pretty much kind of in charge when it comes to loading onto stage, our gear. Like um, he TMs or he tour manages us. Uh, he's really very very good at what he does and um he sets up everything and that takes a couple of hours the the main thing that really takes um a while is just making sure like all the lines are properly like connected um but we do have you know everything is built into a rack so like we don't have guitar amps and cabs and things like that like normal bands do we run most everything di um direct input and that gives us the power to um, pre-mix our in-ears. So, like, we run everything off of a rack and through a computer program that mixes us in our ears. Um, in-ear monitors are things you stick in your ears. You can hear what's going on. That's how I hear how I sing. We don't run monitors on stage. Our stage volume is pretty much just our drums. That's all you'll hear if you're standing on stage with us. Everything's in our monitors, in our ears, and um, pre-mixed through this rack. And then that goes directly out to the house. And then um, it's really easy setup. The big part of the setup that takes the longest part is like the screen. If we're doing like the animated shorts, like setting up the screen or the LEDs or all the lights that we use because we have programmed lights. So um, during, during different songs, different hits, like choruses, verses, things like that, we have programmed lights and foggers. We have those big um, geyser foggers that come up through our ego risers that we stand on and the fog shoots way up like underneath us and stuff like that. But it's all timed to the music. So we're on like a click track 
which runs in our ears and we all play to it. And the clicks, depending on different clicks, are timed to the lights. So different lights fire at different points in the song. It's really kind of cool. Um, and it's, you know, all synced together. So just making sure all of that is working properly before we get on stage, um, it takes the most time. But the guys usually have a pretty quick setup time at this point because they know what's going on. But as of next year, we're changing our whole stage show. So it's going to be like, it takes a while to kind of learn the new, like when we start doing it, but we're getting new lights and things like that and, and changing the boxes out and changing what we're doing with the animation and all this sort of stuff. So it's going to be, um, it's going to be a learning curve, but it's going to be really cool. But we, we wanted to do it that way because we didn't want to spend all the time setting up gear. We wanted to spend all the time sending, setting up something that would create a world because we're very into world building. And when you come to a September morning show, it's like you come to, um, you come to like a, another world and, and you get invited into it. And we want to like keep you there and, and, and uh, take you to another place so that you're not like stuck in your normal life anymore. And, and uh, we want to take you to our, our fantasy place and, and make it really cool. So, so that's how we do it. Yeah. It's definitely not like a normal rock show that you would go to. There's definitely a lot more elements to it. So when you, um, when you guys released volume two and you ended up on the billboard charts, how crazy was that? (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, that was cool. Like, um, you know, billboards cool. Um, I've been on billboard many times because I, I did pop before I did rock. So I got signed when I was like 19 to a pop deal and I had a crazy song that came out. I really don't want to mention like exactly what, because I don't want people digging this shit up, but like, (laughs) but, um, but it it stayed on billboard for quite a long time. And then, um, I got into rock and I, because I wanted to write my own songs. I wanted to be like, you know, my own artist and, and and stuff like that and I had this very you know like I really wanted to be independent like that um so when volume two got on billboard it was a totally different feeling than the other because I didn't write that song but I wrote this these songs so it was kind of like validation almost that I'm that I was on the charts that like oh I can like do this you know, like, because, you know, you go on tour and you're making a living as an artist and, and people should be like, tell me, oh, well, that's validation enough. But like, for me, it wasn't like, I didn't get validation from the industry until I got that record deal from Virgin Records, or I got that record deal from Sumerian, or I got that billboard music chart, you know, topper, or I got, you know, I, I kind of like used to look at it like that. Um, I don't really look at it like that anymore, because I, I just think that validation just comes from within now. And like, the validation that I give myself when I do a really good job on a song. Like I know when I crush lyrics, I know when I crush a song, like when I go into the studio and I just like nail the vocal, like I know that now. And I, I don't need people telling me that. And I think that's, that's kind of like the only validation you really need as an artist. If you're happy with it, if you feel like you did your best that you could do um, and you put out the, the work and you made sure it was like the love in your heart, that really spoke through your artistic endeavor, then that's the validation. So yes, it's great to get like whatever awards or whatever hype or whatever that, but I mean, I'd rather go to a show and have a fan come up to me with a tattoo of my face on their, their calf, which has happened and, and be like, you saved my life. Your music saved my life. To me, that's a better validation than any billboard chart would ever be. Yeah, that's pretty badass. You know, when you when you could really do something positive in somebody's life. It's something I always try to do. You know, I try to make somebody's day a little bit better. Really the goal. I don't really care about money or anything like that. You know, I I, I feel that wealth true wealth is within your heart and that's uh and how you treat people. And I think that's a, a really important thing. Well, it's amazing because in this space, like people like give a lot. Like you have a you know, there's because we're all most of us are like artists and not just, you know, financial guys. Um, You see a lot more giving in this, in this sort of um, community. Like we're all buying each other's art. We're all lifting each other up. We're all like trying to support each other in some way or another. Um, Even if we can't afford to buy each other's art, we'll, we'll retweet, we'll repost, we'll get into these rooms. We'll talk about that. We'll try to spread the word. Like that is so freaking important, you guys. You have no idea. Like that is how we build a really strong community. That is how we take the 
power back for artists. And I, I really do believe that. So you're kind of like a pioneer in a lot of respects. Like you're, you're the first woman to mint uh, as a, a metal or a rock singer and uh, sell an NFT on OpenSea. You're in an industry where it's pretty much male dominated. There's not a lot of really female front women in, in heavy metal and rock bands. It's, and, and now you're stepping into a space uh, with NFTs where it's predominantly male dominated. Now, what what do you think is a good way to get the point across to women in the NFT space that they can do it just as well as men can? I mean, you know, I hate like dividing. Um, I hate like, I, I've always hated this. Okay, so I'll, I'll tell you a little story. Like uh, Sirius um, Satellite Radio, uh, Sirius Octane, if you guys listen to that anymore, like listen to radio, nobody really listens to radio anymore. But in rock, apparently Octane is like a big deal and uh, people get accolades for like hitting those charts. So, you know, I remember when we were signed trying to get on um, Octane and they were like, well, we have we already have our quota of female hard rock bands. And I was like, wait, what? And they're like, well, it's its own category. And I was like, females are their own category in hard rock. So are males their own category? And they're like, no, we can have as many males as we want, but females, we can only have a certain number. I mean, I literally got that response from my label and like, and I was just like, that is so like, ass backwards like not for nothing but like I just hated the fact that there was this divide you know um and in tech there seems to be a little bit of a divide as well and people can say oh well women just aren't interested in that or whatever it doesn't matter like you still should be open to whoever wants to come in um you should be inviting more people across platforms to come in to this space and you should want to you know propagate that and so me doing all these things in metal and like I said like you said actually it's a male-dominated world and I had to push through I just had to push through and push through and push through until I got heard and so I'm not scared of doing that again in this world um, and I don't think any woman should be scared of it because I did it in music and it can happen so if I did it in music you can do it in tech. You can do it in whatever we want to do it in because we are a force to be reckoned with. We are an artistic force to be reckoned with. And a lot of women have, you know, the emotional consciousness that's a little bit different from men's. And we, um, we bring a lot to the table um, in our own right. And I think that that needs to be heard. I agree 100%. You know, one thing I really liked when I went to your Open Sea page and I thought was very, very smart is you minted and you sell your lyric sheets and i think that's a super cool idea i know when i was younger i used to bum rush the stages when there were bands up that i like to try to get a guitar pick or try to get like a drumstick or get a set list like those were really cool things to me and the fact that you're like minting it for your fans that they could actually have their own sheet i think that's just so badass and and you know I'm not even selling those. I'm I mean fans have put them up for sale, but I I literally airdrop all of those to my um, supporters in the NFT space. So those were free airdrops. Um, they were ripped out from a notebook that I have um, that I write my lyrics in, and because uh, I'm old school like that, I still write them down because I I don't know it just feels better to do that. Um, so I uh, so I ripped it out of that notebook and I like minted them and everybody that bought a specific nft that's attached to a specific song got an airdrop of the lyrics and you know i guess i shouldn't like tell you what's going to happen in this drop but you know dirty is coming out and i'm definitely going to do airdrops of, of lyric sheets to people that hold these nfts um so you know that's something that i i definitely want to do um give more value to your collectors um, and I've always loved getting, yeah, getting stuff from stages like that, like the set list and whatnot. I thought that was really cool. And I've always liked seeing, I remember seeing like, um, there was a book that my dad got me or something like, I don't know, 10 years ago or something that was like a Nirvana book. And it had all the like ripped out sheets of his lyrics and stuff like that in it. And, um, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I've always like 
loved that sort of sort of thing, like giving giving back to fans like a piece of yourself and, and lyrics are as personal as it gets as a singer. So, yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. It's it, it's the personalization behind it. The fact that you actually wrote it with pen and paper rather than you typing it up on a little like WordPad document or something like that. And uh, you do like little hearts and stuff along it too, which I think is pretty cool. <laughs> Those are my doodles. <laughs> when I can't think of a word, I just doodle. So, yeah. Yeah, you hit that little writer's block and you got the little scribbles and smiley faces yeah. and everything. <laughs> yeah. So is there going to be um, a conclusion to September morning and are you going to move on to something eventually uh, after this? Or is this something that you're going to stick with and you're going to keep writing and, and possibly writing more to uh, do the novels and stuff that you're doing? So Image Comics just greenlit us another series of books. So we're going to definitely do another September morning comic book. Um, I'm in I'm in talks with uh, certain people about other aspects of the IP moving forward on a different kind of plane, um, which I can't really talk about publicly yet, but it's going to be huge. And that's going to play into the development of this IP and the worth of this IP. So, you know, um, it's definitely worth something because it has a graphic novel that's already been published through one of the biggest comic book companies. But beyond that, um, when we get to announce what we're going to announce soon, uh, that's going to be huge for us. So I, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, we're definitely developing the IP more. And then September's Monsters is its own IP. So, you know, we're, I know Lou is, is really excited about this and so am I. And, and like, you know, everybody over at NFT Media Box is hyped. I mean, there's so much we can do with that sort of IP combining the two IPs. And um, if you know about Monster Rehab, you know that they're doing an animated series and they're, they're doing their own comic books now. And so that's just going to develop that IP in a certain way as well. So now that we're combining two very strong IPs, I, I think that that's, that's going to take on a life of its own when we get going with it. And I'm really excited about that. And we want to do some more drops um, surrounding September's monsters as well. And um, I'm, I'm very excited about all of this and what it can bring to the table. So with September's monsters, is there going to be some sort of gaming utility built into it? Um, can you discuss the utility behind it a little bit further? Yeah, of course. Um, I can actually give this over to Lou. She can discuss the metaverse and what we're doing with September Monsters in the metaverse in the Among Us game and, and uh, in the um, the haunted house and the live performance and the camel races. You want to you want to take it away with that? I will. Yeah, not a problem. Yeah. So um, as as Emily's mentioned a lot, the the IP is combined here into September's monsters. So our monster we have, we are partnered with um on the metaverse side, Land Vault, who's one of the biggest landowners in the metaverse uh, across model of the metaverses. I'm sure a lot of you are aware. Um, so they're building out our our monster we have haunted house um across these, and I'm um, working with our game devs to to come up with some really awesome games in the the metaverse. So um, part of that was is Emily has mentioned as well as the the stage, the club space, so that we can have these, whether it's a DJ come in or a band or an artist who wants to perform, um, and I give our holders access to those digital shows and um, whether that's a pre-recorded set where the uh, the avatars um, then perform, or we get Emily and the guys in haptic suits in a studio somewhere and and they perform live and. Um, just you're seeing them as their their characters, as the minions, and um, as September in the metaverse, and you're all there in your avatars as well. Um, but but yeah, and then on the side of it, as we have our games, that one of the the first things we did in the community when we dropped our first projects was our community asked if we could do some sort of racing game. So um, you know we're going to have September as one of the jockeys on the camel racing, where you you know you buy your ticket, pick your pair, um, and you can do it now. But when it goes live in the uh, sandbox next year you'll be able to you know walk into the racetrack buy your ticket submit your september as a jockey and your pick your camel and and win for some eth so um that's a fun aspect and then we've got our among us style game where our characters are skinned and um, if you're a gamer you you know the deduction uh, game there with among us trying to figure out the murderer and before they get all of you um and then we have the tekken style game as well 
um, which our game devs have, have done an awesome job creating and just taking inspiration. Um, our CEO Buzz is a huge Nintendo fan, so all the old school games that we played growing up is, is where we're sort of taking some of our inspiration from. So again, September just fits with the art that Tom Martin, our artist, has done, just fits so perfectly into like that Tekken style fighting game. Um, but yeah, we're, we're doing so much in, in, <laughs> across all of it. Um, and, and Emily's been fantastic at just whether it's um, our studio partner, Lionforge, who's one of the, the biggest black owned um, animation studios who won an Oscar last year for their hair love animation. Whether it's we do like a, a, seri- a second series and, and we feature September in that or it's our second run of graphic novels um, the games in the metaverse um, the games off um, line you can just download and play on your PC um, the performances. We've been super blessed that she's uh, right there with us every step of the way wanting to just world build with September's Monsters with us and just take um, the IP and the tech as far as we can go which is which has been exciting for me um, to, to do this sort of female-led project within the company um, and work with someone like Emily. There's a lot there's a lot of components that you guys have going there there's a lot of wheels turning at the same time and that's awesome let me uh, let me approve my co-host here that got booted for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that happen. I was like, oh no. <laughs> Somebody's getting really <laughs> It worked out today. I, I kind of like this. <laughs> yeah, I mean Wu so. is amazing and, and I love working with these guys. Like like I said in the beginning, I don't like thinking two weeks, three weeks out. I like thinking five years, ten years out. You know, like what are how are we gonna build this? to get to a point where, you know, everybody knows when we say September's monsters or we say, say September morning, people are like, Oh yeah, I know that. Oh yeah. I know that. Oh, I know that story. Yeah. I know that. Like that's, that's where I want to get it one day. Like that's my, that's my end game with it all. And uh, you know, if we can do it, it'll be because you guys do it with us. Um, and that's the only reason why we'll be able to do it. Um, not because of some big third party shoving it down your throat or, you know, this or that, the other thing, it'll be because we built it, you know, all of us together in this room, in these rooms, in these spaces, across NFTs, across this, that's how we built. And that's going to be amazing to have a, have a project that has built from the ground up with people instead of uh, companies. And uh, I think that's, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, and we say this a lot in spaces on Clubhouse, but um, we really mean it. I know with Emily and, and our company as well, like if there's things that people want to see um, as holders in the community, whether it's a game that we can do or a storyline or even just assets on, on the artwork, um, we're, we're always open and listening to what the community want. Our camel racing game and our NFT breeding program started as community um, asks. They sort of just said, hey, I think this would be a cool idea. Can you do it? And um, we sort of took that, ran with it. And um, obviously, we'll be hopefully doing September's Monsters Transformation, so a spin on the breeding program. But yeah, if there's stuff people want to see, um, we have great partners on the on the media side, on the metaverse side. Um, our team is, is filled with so many fantastic people that if, if we can do it, we're all about long-term thinking and using the tech and sort of being at the, the start of um, this whole metaverse and space and just doing um, as much for our community and our holders as possible. And, and yet, yeah, just just very exciting, very exciting. So, what made you choose camels out of any other type of animal to race? I haven't seen any camel projects out there. Is is that the process behind it, or is it just so, they're, they're really cute? Just, I think oh, well, I mean, the camels are very cute, and and the baby camels are even cuter. Um, but no, NFT Media Box, the company, we were hired by um, a movie franchise called called Antara, which is based on a. Um, pre-Islamic warrior poet um, called Antara and uh, the movie's in, in pre-production at the moment so they hired us to to create this um, NFT project as sort of a, a marketing um, NFT to sort of showcase um, the story of Antara and the movie coming along with it so they, the, there's literally an NFT called Arabian Camels um, and that's where the camel racing came from they saw, the community obviously saw what Zed Run was doing with the horses and here we had a an animal that is, is raced um, in the, the Mina States anyway. And, and yeah, we, we took it. Our game dev is, is awesome and came up with this whole thing and worked with our partners at Landville, like I said, to uh, to come up with the racetrack and how it's all going to work um, once Sandbox hopefully goes live in Q1 of next year. 
Um, and then from that, we, we took the breeding where, like I said, the um, community wanted to combine NFTs but didn't want to burn or have to get rid of them. So um, you can, yeah, breed your camels and breed your camels with your monsters and um, be able to breed your Septembers with the monsters as well and, and get a, another unique, um, cool NFT. And we do it off of um, parentage. So your quote-unquote mum and dad camels or mum and dad monster in September or mum and mum, I guess, with some of them, <laughs> um, determine the traits. Um, so, yeah, we're we're all about doing some pretty cool firsts if we can, and, and we're glad that Emily's, like, right there with us on all these things. Just just so everybody's aware, um, if you want to check out the whitelist and sign up, it's the first pinned tweet up top. Please, uh, you know, take the opportunity to look at it and, uh, you know, give Emily a shout-out and look at some of her other artwork that she has um, coming on her open sea. And um, a question I have for you, um, at least I've been seeing this lately. Do you feel that NFTs are kind of bringing back nostalgic things that we had in our childhood? Because I mean, there, as, as a child, I would collect baseball cards. Now we have things like top shot. I would collect right. comic books and now you're doing graphic comic books. And I and same thing like video games. A lot of the video games are kind of dated back to like the Super Nintendo graphic portion of things. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think we're kind of having like a, a resurgence of childhood from the 80s and 90s coming into the NFT space nowadays? Oh, 100 percent. I mean, that just dictates like where the you know where the bulk of the people that are developing in the space where their ages lie, right? Um, within those kind of realms. And, uh, but besides that, I, I do think that with NFTs, NFTs are kind of like a different way, and I've said this many times in rooms, of telling the story of an IP. And storytelling is one of the oldest forms of entertainment ever. Like people told stories and carved it on cave walls. And, you know, the first thing you probably remember from your childhood is a story that maybe your mom or your grandma or your grandpa, like, told you. Like, stories are prevalent. We tell stories every day. We tell stories to ourselves. <laughs> but besides that, we, we tell stories to our friends. We entertain our friends by telling stories. Like, storytelling is huge. And NFTs is a way to tell a story, like, doing it through that way. Um, yeah, I mean, it can be nostalgic when, when you see trading cards like Top Shots or like VV Entertainment with all the Marvel stuff and DC stuff and the Star Wars stuff that just went up and sold out in two seconds. Um, I mean, you know, there's, there's, this is just kind of like reigniting that flame of collector because this is the thing. When we went into the digital realm, the digital age, People, you know, didn't want physical things anymore. You know, like people got rid of CDs. They didn't want CDs. They wanted it all on their laptop. Everybody was just getting rid of these physical things. So now we have a way of like taking those, that, that love of collecting physical things and putting it in a digital realm. So now, now people that probably used to like collect all those things physically are now doing it online and just loving it even more. So, um, I think this was bound to happen in some sort of way. And uh, and I'm just glad I'm here for it because I love comics. I love gaming. Um, I've been a gamer for a long time. been a comic book nerd since since I was 12 years old and found my dad's Batman comics in my grandfather's, you know, basement. So, <laughs> like, The Killing Joke was my first book I ever read at 12. And it was dark as hell, but I loved it, you know? And so... Um, I don't know. Like, um, I think that storytelling is so, so important across, you know, across time and, and just having another, another way of doing it is, is awesome. If anybody has any questions for Emily, feel free to uh, raise your hand, come on up. Um, if you're in the speaker box now, just feel free to shout out. And if not, I will just keep talking. I'm good at it. Um, all right, you go first. So I've been meaning to ask this every time we've had one. I've always been curious about, I'm, I'm the one that does the uh, flyers. Um, I never thought about it until recently. Just want to make sure. Does that, is that okay to mash up your art like that? Or does that, how does that sit with you as an artist? I love it. I love it. If you look at the first issue of my first comic book, um, the cover 
art is basically that head in the hands picture that you took. It's that half of it. And then that other half is a drawing that one of our artists from Image did of me. And we mashed it together and we put it on the cover of our comic book. So I have no problem with that. Um, awesome. so I, I loved it. I thought it was so dope. I saw that and I was like, oh, this is sick. I love it. I was super hype about it. So thank you for doing that. I, lo I love your work. It's great. Yeah. yeah. She I sent it straight over and we were just like, dude, that's awesome. It looks so good. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I always get worried that I'm a worried that I'm messing up somebody's art because I don't know everybody's different with it and I just want to make sure I wasn't doing anything wrong so no I mean I I'm no it looks dope I'm a big advocate and Lulu can like like totally attest to this I'm a big advocate for giving um artists freedom and creativity with even things that I do because um you know when we went into the art with Tom the artist on this this project and he was like, um, okay, what, you know, what can I do? What can I do? And I, I was like, no, 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 there's no can't. There's only a can in this equation. Like, what can you do? What do you want to do, Tom? Like, what makes you yeah. excited? Like, what, what excites you? What, like, will make you want to do this? Like, what have you, what have you not done that you want to do? Do that, you yeah. know? And, and that was, that was, I mean, Lou, you can attest to how Tom reacted to that, so. Yeah, I, I think like we've said this in a few spaces in Clubhouse Rooms, but that, that was a huge thing for us when we were not only coming up with the concept for the collab and, and how we we're going to merge the IPs and the art and all these things. But it was great in that like very first call where we sat down with Tom Martin, who's our amazing artist. Um, and, and he, yeah, he said, you know, like, how do you envision this? What do you want to see from the art? And, and Emily just said, you know, like, what style have you not done yet that you want to try? Is there a pose that you've been wanting to do with NFTs and you just haven't had a chance yet? Like, um, create something awesome. Like, you you know the story. You've seen the stuff from our side. You know um, Monsters, obviously, very well, having created them. And she gave him full, like, full creative control to, like, be respectful and, and not cross any lines, but also just do something different. And um, when you look at the artwork for the September uh, character it, it's different um from our monsters but in the same sort of style and vein um, and it's obviously vastly different from the, the camels um so that was great tom tom loved that and um, this has been like one of his favorite partners to work with um on the art side just because of how um free emily's been in terms of giving him control and you know sh we should have we have a whatsapp group and we should across ideas of like hey this would be a really cool trait to do or this would be a really good piece to take inspiration from, but whether it's pop culture or a music reference, a movie. Um, and I think that's just like a really, we've done it in a really organic way where just everyone respects each other's talents. Um, and combined, we've come up with this awesome collab. Yeah, I'm crazy yeah, about pop culture, you guys. Like, I just like love everything from Lord of the Rings to like Batman. So yes. I mean, just like everything in pop culture, Harry Potter. Like, I love all that stuff. So like when we, we're looking at, you know, attributes for September. I was like, well, why don't we like, you know, take little nods at pop culture? And so we started doing that and we got super crazy with it. But I love it. I think it's, it's so good. Yeah, I think it's so much fun. Whenever like Tom shares some art, I'm like, oh my God, that's so and so. And da, 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 da. And, and I think people are going to get a kick out of it. It's kind of like, I don't know if you guys know Boss Logic, but um, he did a gauntlet drop. And his gauntlets had like little nods to like Batman or, you know, like Spider-Man or something like, you know, some sort of pop culture comic book icon. And um, it's not copying or anything like that. It's just giving a nod, a wink, wink, nudge, nudge to like so that, you know, it keeps it all in the same realm. We're all in the same sort of creative space with these comic books. And it's kind of fun to, to give them a, a little bit of a nudge there. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. That was a really fun we, with the uh, with our monster rehab. There was there's a lot of um, references to to movies and, and 80s and 90s pop moments and uh, music. So it's been great to to continue that over and just take it like a, a step further with the female character um, of September. And uh, yeah, we we've all had our, our say. I requested some Mastodon <laughs> album cover art to be like uh, referenced and inspiration from and. Uh, as Emily said, you know, we're we're huge like token nerds um, and gamers. So there's a lot of stuff. And I think what's fun post drop when these um, are minty and everyone's getting their Septembers, it's um, the same with, with, with the, the monsters when we were post drop there. Um, it's just everyone like guessing the references. Like, where what is this one? Is it this movie? Is it this person? Is it this moment? Is it this band? 
Um, that's always like a fun thing for for Tom. I know as the artist, is people recognizing where he's like taken those little hints of inspiration from. And Tom himself is like a metalhead sort of, so <laughs> it's kind of cool to have somebody that understands my type of music, you know, um, kind of doing the art because he's like, yeah, yeah, we can do this, we can do that, and so I don't know, it's pretty cool. So I will say that I growing up, I played uh, we called them uh, they were hall shows, but I played metal and. I would have never guessed in a million years that Twitter spaces would be having metal bands or any metal conversation at all. And this is See? Awesome. <laughs> Isn't this awesome? It yeah, it is. all together. Yeah. And like, to me, it's, it's really important because rock and metal have been kind of like sidelined in music for a while now. And I think that's mostly because it got really formulaic in the way people were writing and stuff like that. And it just wasn't like it used to be like people weren't taking chances in music very often in rock and metal but but we did we took a lot of chances our label didn't like that too much <laughs> but we were like we want to take a chance on this and do this this way and uh <laughs> we got a lot of blowback from our label but like when then we went independent um right before covid hit and it's just like now we can do whatever we want and then with the nfc space it's kind of like you guys kind of if you like dirty if you like the direction we're going with we do more music that way if you want us to go heavier we take a poll we do more music that way like we can write i can write pop stuff i can write metal stuff i can write country stuff if you want me to i can write whatever you guys want me to i just need to hear feedback and 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 get you know from you guys and and that's what i love about the space and nfes um and it's been so welcoming um, my my foundation sold out my NFTs on OpenSea. I have one left, and then it's completely sold out. Um, I'm I'm number I think I'm number eight on the music charts now for the week, um, right above the weekend. Um, and that's crazy for rock and metal. Like you know, we weren't featured like that. Like nobody was featuring us like that. So it's to to get this love from the community and from you guys, and um, be able to do something that isn't you know, that brings different types of genres into into rock music a little bit and not be so formulaic and get accepted for that is just, there you go. That's that validation that we're talking about. I'd rather have that validation than a chart, a billboard chart. I don't care about that anymore. I care about validation from people who are actually listening to my music and, and love it. And uh, that's important to me. I think it's crazy how in these Twitter spaces, we could just meet up with people that of of all different like walks of life, and uh, you know you, you never know who comes into your space. Uh, I actually I don't even know how I ran into you, but I I know I was in a space and then I saw you in a space and I'm like I gotta talk to her. And the cool thing is like you could just send somebody a message and we're so new. I mean NFTs have been around for years, but we're we're kind of like at that surge where everybody's almost at like the infant stages. So we're all kind of at the same playing field. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, uh, like we talk to M shadows all the time from Avenged Sevenfold, like all, all the time we're talking to this guy in Twitter space. Yeah. And, yeah. Love like, him. Love that guy. And I mean, yeah. like, it's crazy, awesome. it's crazy that you just run into like so many people and everybody's just on the same page. You're like, yeah, fuck it. Let's make some art, you know, let's yeah, make some and, music, yeah. rock music. And he, you know, and he comes from that. He comes from that old school rock rock days where they they actually got a huge record deal because they were actually selling CDs. So he's seen the he's seen the you know the change from music distribution to what it what it's coming now. I love that they're dropping NFTs. I love that they're making it kind of like a fan club, which is what we're trying to do too. Um, they're still signed to a label. They're not independent, so dropping actual music is going to be hard for them because of publishing rights and, and distribution rights and their, their labels and stuff like that. But they're still trying to get in the space and like really get it out to their fan base. And I think that's their dope. contracts almost up with, with Warner. Oh, so they're probably <laughs> so excited. They're on their way out. Yep. They're, yeah. yeah because they're like all, all of these guys, like I talked to a lot of like bands. Um, I know, you know, like I said, we toured with Rob Zombie. We toured with like all these metal bands. We've toured, we toured with a lot of people. A lot of people know me. I know a lot of people and they're all like, I can't wait to be independent now. It's like, it's the tides are changing in, in the scene. And it's really interesting to see what's really going to come out of this. But um, that's really funny that you, you told me that. That's great. I love it. Yeah. I think a lot of this is kind of turning into like, like I, I can tell you, like when I, when I was in a band a long time ago, um, 
we we had I was in the CD era as well, and you would have to sell a whole lot of CDs just to get one little bit of royalties. You know, they might pay for your recording time, but you're not going to see a dollar, and you're touring like a madman. And when I tell you, like, well, you know, you know, you're on tour, like you were saying, eight nine months out of eight nine months out of the year, we had to do it, or else we did not eat. You guys, we did not, we could not eat, and we could not produce more records. It like wasn't going to happen, and our label. that's when we were signed to I'm not even kidding we were signed when we were doing that so like we weren't getting like money like these weren't six-figure deals we were getting these were like you know barely like four like five-figure deals you know that we were getting barely and like and they're like well that should be enough money for you for the year I'm like in what universe is like that we can do this like you know how much it costs to be on the road it's like they didn't even know or something it was the weirdest thing like, they're like, oh, well, you know, you should be able to do that. And I was like, with what? Like, Spotify's not paying us anything. You guys aren't paying us anything. <laughs> Where are we getting this from? No, it's uh, true. This and is... like, I'm sorry, Lou, go ahead. No, no, I, I was just going to say briefly, we've spoken about this a lot since, like, we came to do the collab. Like I said, I come from a, a beauty and fashion. That's my background in, in work. Um, so learning from the music side of the last like couple months has been really interesting for me. And I, I knew from an outside perspective, like it, it wasn't easy. Like you, you read the articles, you you hear musicians and artists talking about it. But speaking with Emily and really finding out how like crappy the deals are and the money is and how hard the work is, like, that that's what gets me excited on the music side. It's not only for the distribution and, and it being direct to consumer and um, artists getting a, a bigger control of the, the money that way but just on the touring side like hearing how rough and expensive and like physically and mentally draining like, that really is for artists um, as we said like we were going to do these performances in the metaverse where Emily and the guys like I said will be in a haptic suit they'll be in a studio you'll get to watch them live but just as the avatars that they've created and that means that Emily can tour the like, countries with the band that maybe she couldn't go to Australia or China or wherever um, because of cost and now you can do that through the metaverse so still touring but just not with the the draining and the eight months on the road still earning money you know maybe the, you know as we said the holders get a free ticket but we can sell tickets to non-holders and again that's more royalties and money um for bands and artists and that's that's what for me as an outside from the music side just interests me about this whole space right now when, when you're on tour and like if you break it down the amount of hours that you're working versus what you're getting paid you're getting like less than minimum wage for sure like oh 100 percent yeah 100 percent and people try to like glamorize it like oh you get to see the world but you don't really make a lot of money like when unless you're like a huge name actor or something along those lines i was watching a, a video a few days ago about the horrors of touring musicians and they had uh al jurgensen from ministry on there and he said yeah. when i'm on tour 23 hours of my day is shitty and then the mm-hmm. only good hour is when i'm on stage and yeah, I mean, I'm good friends with Sin, who's the guitarist in, the, in ministry. Sin is a very close friend of mine, and we talk about it all the time. We'll send each other memes about touring all the time because it's hilarious. Like, people think it's like, oh, you're partying like a rock star. And I was like, I'm too tired to party. Are you kidding me? When I'm done with a show, I go to merch. I sign a crap ton of autographs. I take a crap ton of pictures. Then I have to get, like, undone, like, undressed, like, probably take a shower in a sink somewhere because they don't have showers at the venues um, and like get my ass back into the bus and like go to sleep because I'm exhausted. And then I can't really sleep because my endorphins are going too high because of all the stage stuff and the stuff that we did on stage. So it's kind of like you don't sleep and then you get up too early because you can't really sleep in because it gets really hot on the bus. And then (laughs) it's not like all glamour. It's a lot of work. But um, what makes it worth it is the audience and the people and the people you touch. Like I said, um, coming off stage, seeing like tattoos of my lyrics on people's like arms and and legs and, you know, and 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 getting these stories like, you know, you, you got me through COVID with your lyrics and like, you know, you got me through this this sad part of my life where I lost my mom or I lost my sister or I lost a loved one. I mean, that's just priceless, you guys. Like, I, like, I don't know. It makes you feel so good inside. It's I can't even express how how amazing it makes you feel. Anyone have any questions for Emily? Want to do a shout out? 
anything of the sort. Well, uh, how you said um, originally that you're open up, open to collaborations and partnerships. Um, how how do I uh, reach out to you about that? Um, yeah, I mean, you can always just you know DM me. <laughs> it's like we're pretty much like the community's still pretty small, so um, just DM oh, me. Oh, I, I didn't see your DMs were open. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, they're open. I, I'm open there. I'm open on Instagram. Um, open on Facebook. <laughs> Facebook, I don't really check anymore because I don't really like Facebook too much, but, um, that's just personal preference. Um, but yeah, Twitter, I'm definitely, my, my DMs are open, so shoot a DM over for sure. So going back to the whole touring thing, I think we have a beautiful thing happening where we're going to be able to do, you know, tours from our maybe rehearsal studios where you could just jump into the metaverse. I think that's such a badass thing. I mean, VR and just everything in general, as far as the the way that we're going and the wave of the future, I mean, it's going to make things so much easier and so much more profitable. And it's going to put, it's going to put like the, uh, everything's going to be in the artist's hands. You know, you don't have to worry about going through all these crazy ass avenues. Like you could do your own social medias now. You could do your own, everything from home. You could live comfortably. I, I just think it's kick ass. Um, yeah, I, I love that. Um, I, I was going to ask you though. I saw on your Discord that you do. You're, you're also one of the only Discords that I've seen that tries to do a little bit of an educational. Uh, uh, you have an educational tab, like informing people what an NFT is, um, about wallets and stuff like that. Uh, how 100%. important? How important do you think it is that people actually get educated so they don't get rugged doing a lot of the stuff that they're doing? Oh, that's very important. Um, I like implore all of like my music people that are coming from the music space into this this space to to do the deep dive, to you know do the due diligence and and know how to protect yourself, um, how to use a VPN, how to like you know just how how to how to go about buying ETH, how to secure your wallet, how to you know hold your own, hold your own keys, not your keys, not your coin sort of situation like just be very safe um i think that's very very important and uh that's why i have that channel up there i'm going to add more to it soon um also going to do some of my own videos and, and put them up there um just teaching some of my friends and, and stuff like that how to get a metamask how to get an nft how to like navigate through the space i think it's really important i do as well um, I just want to say, I think I found the reason why so many uh, artists, music artists are getting into NFTs. It's because uh, people who get into NFTs don't sleep either. Yeah, I mean, I work like 12 to 14 hour days now. I've been doing that for the past like uh, four or five months. Um, and it's really weird, though. It's like. That being said, I haven't been able to draw as much. And I, I have a whole series of NFTs I want to release um, that I need to, like, finish uh, that are based on my paintings. Um, I'm a painter as well. And um, and I haven't even done that release yet. <laughs> it's, like, on, on my list to do. I have, like, three other drops I have to do before I even touch that drop. So, um, but, you know, it's it's, like... I love it so much that it's not even, it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like a job. And also you're connecting directly to people. So it's kind of like, it's a little bit different when, you know, there, there used to be this wall and this imaginary wall between artists, performer and the audience. And that's in, especially in this space is very broken down and you get to know people and you get to like know their personalities and, and uh, I think a lot of the times people invest in projects and invest in, in art because they really love the person behind it. You know, it's not just the IP, which is dope or like the art is dope, but like the person is really solid and they're just a loving person, a giving person. And you want to see people like that win. I mean, who doesn't want to see somebody like that win? I know I want to see my friends like that win. And that's why I buy their art, you know? Um, so I think moving forward, like, you, you you know the the good people come to the top, and we we all kind of recognize that in the space, and and we all kind of support that, and I I think that's a beautiful thing. So we're about an hour in now. If anybody has anything that they want to 
ask Emily or if you want to just say hi, feel free to reach out. Yeah, um, no, I, I just had a question about the uh, the mint, right? So um, is there a max quantity that we can mint? Um, and then also are we just going to do it straight from the website connecting with MetaMask on there? Yeah. Um, or how do you guys want to yeah, do that? Yeah, so it will be um, from our website, NFT Media Box. Um, you'll go connect your, web, uh, connect your wallet, connect your website, connect your wallet. And uh, if you're on the whitelist on the 18th, you'll be able to mint. Um, a maximum of three in the pre-sale and then on public sale we usually cap it at 10 per um, transaction from transaction um, so, so yeah it's quite easy we've, we've done a, a few drops like that now no problems we've got a, our IT guys have got it all smoothed out which is fantastic so yeah 18th as long as on the whitelist you can get your three and then public sale at 10 per, per transaction awesome awesome yeah I, I just had that question because I was looking through your guys' discord and I didn't see it in there so Maybe I just missed it um, with all the information that was in there, but uh, I appreciate it. So three on the 18th, um, and then what time does that pre-sale open so, up? So um, um, I'll, I'll pop that up in the Discord um, this weekend. Um, I, I unfortunately my mother uh, got diagnosed with cancer a couple of years ago, and this week found out she had to have surgery this morning. So my head's been a little bit out of the game. I will admit this week, but um, usually our pre-sales go live 10 p.m. EST. We we tend to stick to that time for everything. Um, so on the 18th. Um, I would suggest you go in, make sure your your wallet's all set up to good to go beforehand. If there's any trouble, please reach out on Discord. Um, the IT guys are, are always around to support. While I'm not the tech person, I do know a lot of the shortcuts and help, um, having done three months now. Um, but yeah, we're, we're always around to help if there's any tech issues, problems, questions, like please reach out to myself or, or Emily or anyone else on the team. Yeah, I'm here for it. So if you guys need me, um, my Discord's always open. Lou's the Monsters Rehab is always open. The NFT Media Box one is always open. There's there's a lot of different ways to contact us. Um, so feel free to reach out. We're here for you guys. Thanks for the information. Appreciate it. Thank Any, you. Anyone else? All right. I guess we'll uh, we'll start wrapping up. Can't believe the hour went so quick. That was really great. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for hosting this room, you guys. Like, you yeah, guys are great guys. hosts, and I always love being in your room. So, thank you for doing this. Yeah. So, uh, everybody, make sure you check out the whitelist. It's right up top there. Um, it's going to release on the 18th. Um, check out Emily's website, SeptemberMorning.com. Uh, that's morning with a U in it, not like good morning, like you're sad and you're mourning. So, make sure you spell it right. Uh, Lou, Emily, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. I uh, really appreciate you coming here, talking to the community. And uh, don't be strangers. You know, if you ever want to pop in, we do these spaces every Monday through Friday. We do them with small artists, big artists, people that are brand new, people that don't even know if they want to get into NFTs. But we're going to convince them that they need to get into NFTs. So once again, thank you so much. Um, thanks for being a part of the family. Appreciate thank you guys. guys. Appreciate you so much. And thank you everybody that's listened and come into the room. We really appreciate all of you guys.